the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel. Let me tell you what God's going to do in David's life while David is on the run hiding from Saul. God is going to refine David. And God is going to prepare David and God is going to weed out some things in David's life that God is dealing with. And so a lot of times in those uncomfortable years of our lives, it is often while we're waiting on the Lord and, you know, we're frustrated or we're like wondering what's God up to and why hasn't he answered this prayer and why hasn't he done this and why hasn't he done that? He's often refining us and he's purging things from our lives that he wants to deal with. Waiting can be a frustrating thing, especially when we have to wait for an answer that could change our lives. When we wait on the Lord, or we're in a difficult time where He is helping us grow through those trials, we often just want answers or relief, and we generally want it fast. We just don't want to wait. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that when you wait, that is when God does His best work in your life. Just like we can see all over the scriptures, God works in amazing ways when we're patient. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's been a while since we've been in 1 Samuel. But we are in chapter 23, so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We just go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. We are currently in the book of 1 Samuel. We left off chapter 22, so that's where we will pick up. And I'm going to recap chapter 22 so we can get a running start into chapter 23. But let's first have a word of prayer. Father, it is good to draw near to you, and we pray, Lord, that you will use this time as we study your word to speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you are the well that never runs dry, that we can come to you, Lord, and be filled up and be refreshed. So speak to us, Lord, and refresh our hearts. We just love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Well, again, to recap and to kind of bring us up to speed, um, the book of First Samuel now is pretty much devoted to the life of David. He has not yet been crowned king, but he has been anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Samuel anoints young David when David was, it is believed, somewhere between the ages of 10 and 15. Um, I tend to err on the younger side, but you know, somewhere in that age range, he was anointed, but he will not be actually crowned king until he's 30. 
And so there's going to be this long waiting period between, you know, say 10 years of age until he's 30, like 20 years of waiting. So if you, if you feel at times like you've been waiting for something, you know, that you feel like God has promised you, you know, welcome to the Bible club because there's a lot of people in the Bible that God uh, told things in advance, well in advance. Uh, but yet did not uh, fulfill his promise until years down the road. Sometimes, especially in our modern age where we want everything in an instant and we get frustrated if the McDonald's drive through takes longer than 30 seconds, it is hard for us to actually realize that there are years sometimes that God is working on us before he actually brings something to fruition. And so that's the case with David. David is a young boy when he is anointed by Samuel, but he's not going to be crowned king until he's 30 years of age. And David's life is divided into these four categories, uh, the shepherding years, the hiding years, the fighting years, and the reigning years. Now, where we are right now in 1 Samuel uh, 23 uh, is still part of the hiding years. He's hiding from Saul. Now, Saul's the first king of Israel, but Saul has not yet been replaced. In God's timing, God will replace Saul. God's already made it clear that that Saul um, has a successor, but God is not through with Saul yet because he's still preparing David. And part of God's preparation for David will be to learn to trust the Lord in difficult years. And he will be hiding from Saul because Saul becomes jealous. Saul, Saul sees the popularity that David gains, especially after God uses David to slay Goliath. The whole nation of Israel sees David as the hero and not Saul. Saul's a very insecure man. Saul is a very envious man. He's a disobedient man, too, to God because he didn't follow God's prescription for, for all things. And so uh, he is, Saul, constantly pursuing David to kill him because he sees David as a threat to his reign as king, and, and Saul is trying to hold on to his reign, even though God has already told him, you're going to be replaced, like, you know, deal with it because of your disobedience. Saul is doing everything he can to hold on to his reign and what uh, waning popularity he still has. And so he is literally, because he's demonized at this point, he is tormented by demons. He's literally trying to kill David, and David is on the run, really, literally for his life. And so David will spend and anywhere from 10 to 15 years on the run from Saul as Saul pursues him. Now, not just alone, by the way. Saul pursues him with an army that he has. In fact, uh, into chapter 23, we'll see, or into chapter 24, Saul's got 3,000 soldiers with him trying to pursue David to kill him. So um, he is bent on David's death. And uh, he's not going to stop short of it, but God is going to continue to protect David. But let me tell you what God's going to do in David's life while David is on the run, hiding from Saul. God is going to refine David, and God is going to prepare David, and God is going to weed out some things in David's life that God is dealing with. And so a lot of times in those uncomfortable years of our lives, it is often while we're waiting on the Lord and, you know, we're frustrated or we're like wondering what's God up to and why hasn't he answered this prayer and why hasn't he done this and why hasn't he done that? He's often refining us and he's purging things from our lives that he wants to deal with. And so he was, he was taking David from a shepherd in the field and preparing him to be king of a nation. Well, there, there's, a, there's a big gap between being a shepherd of a few sheep in the field and being king of a nation. And so God is doing some refining things in David's life. 
So part of these years, while David is on the run, where we left off in chapter 22, and in chapter 22, we find that David, part of hiding from King Saul, is in Adulam, a cave in Adulam. And the Bible says in chapter 22 that because he knows that he's being pursued by Saul, and Saul's trying to kill him, that David has a concern for his own family. And so he wants to put, literally wants to put his parents in the witness protection program. And so he actually, chapter 22 tells us that he goes down to the eastern side of the Dead Sea into Moab to a city called Mizpah. And that's where he takes his mother and his father. And he asks the king of Moab. Now, you know, the Moabites are enemies of the Israelites, but they're not aggressive towards the Israelites, at least not right now. And remember, why would David think about taking his parents all the way over here to Moab? The answer is because David has Moabite blood in his veins. David's great grandmother was Ruth, and Ruth was a Moabitess. And so perhaps there's some connection there where David realizes, hey, you know, my great grandmother, uh, she was from Moab. This will be a good hiding place for my parents. And so he takes his father and mother, speaks to the king of Moab. Can you please protect my parents for a while? And he leaves them in Mizpah. And then the Bible says in chapter 22 that the prophet Gad tells David, you need to not go back to the cave of Adullam, but stay in the wilderness of Judah. So when David drops his parents off at Mizpah, he goes up now to the forest of Hereth. And that's where he is when we get here to uh, chapter 23. And Saul is up north in Gibeah. So King Saul is in Gibeah. Now, the tragic thing in chapter 22, which is what we ended up, it tells us that Saul believes that Ahimelech, the priest of Israel at that time, was a traitor. Because, again, this is all part of Saul's paranoia and his insecurity. Ahimelech gave David bread and gave David a weapon, happened to be Goliath's sword. And Ahimelech was a friend and is a friend of David. And um, Saul sees that as disloyalty. So he calls Ahimelech and all the priests of Israel, 85 total, to Gibeah up in the north. And Saul begins to question them about their loyalty. Are you really loyal to me or are you loyal to David? And Ahimelech doesn't know any different. He doesn't know that, you know, why should Saul be so insecure? After all, David is Saul's son-in-law too. David married Saul's daughter, Michal. And so Ahimelech is just like, yeah, I gave David shelter. I gave him bread. I gave him a sword. What's the big deal? And Saul's like, well, the big deal is, you know, he's, he's my arch enemy right now. And so he orders, Saul orders his men to kill Ahimelech, the priest, and all the priests. And in an act of civil disobedience, again, there are examples in the Bible where civil disobedience is acceptable when you are wanting to obey the higher law of God rather than a, a man's authority if man's authority contradicts the higher law of God. And, and Saul's men said, we're not going to kill the priest and we're not going to kill the, his, his priests with him. And so one young man in the crowd, Doeg, steps up. He's an Edomite, and Doeg says, I'll kill him, because he wants to ingratiate himself with King Saul. And so Doeg kills, on behalf of King Saul, the 85 priests of Israel, slaughters them in chapter 22. Now, one of the sons of Ahimelech, his name is Abiathar, escapes the slaughter, makes his way to David, 
and tells David what happened, and David says, stay with me, and I'll take care of you. That's the way chapter 22 ends. So there is still one priest left in the priestly order. His name again is Abiathar, and David is going to protect him. So that brings us up here to chapter 23. So verse 1 says, And then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. All right, now, pause for a moment. We're going to move on the map a little further uh, south to uh, Keilah. And the question is, why is David having to defend this Jewish town? Isn't that the responsibility of the king of Israel, which is Saul? And the answer is, yeah, it should have been Saul defending the people of Keilah against the Philistines who had attacked them. But Saul is too busy chasing David. So he's not taking care of the nation. And so David inquires of the Lord, should I go do it, Lord? And the Lord says, yes, go do it. Now, I want you to notice in this series of verses we're about to read here in the opening part of chapter 23, that there are three different times that David inquires of the Lord and he gets answers from the Lord. And how does he get these answers? Well, what we find out in a few more verses is that Abiathar, this lone surviving priest, has an ephod with him. Now, an ephod was a garment that the priest would wear. And in the vestment of the ephod, the priest would keep two stones. Actually, some say a third stone, which was a neutral stone. One stone was called an urim. Another stone was called the thumum. And one stone meant yes, one stone meant no, and a third stone was just no answer from God. And this is how they would discern the will of the Lord back in the day where you would consult the priest, and you could only ask a yes or no question. And so it would be, in this case, should I go and defend the people of Keilah? And the Lord says yes. So what is inferred, and we'll see it here in a little bit, I'm I'm just kind of giving you a preview, what's inferred is that Abiathar reaches within the vestment, pulls out the stone that is yes. Now sometimes, again, it would be a stone that says no, and sometimes it would be this third stone, which would just be blank, meaning God's not answering. And so you just wait until you get an answer. But David is told by the Lord, yeah, go, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. And verse three says, but David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And then David inquired of the Lord once again. So this is the second time. Now, by the way, it tells us back in chapter 22 that David's got a ragtag group of army guys with him, 400 in number. They're going to grow to 600 here in a moment. And these guys are, they're, they're literally from the island of misfits because it says that these guys are the discouraged, the disadvantaged. These are the guys that, that are in debt, but they rally around David and David is going to use them and groom them into a mighty army. But these guys at first are like, you know what? There's only like 400 of us. We can't really fight the Philistines. So David inquires again. He's like, yeah, you got a point there. We might be outnumbered. Let's see what the Lord says. Well, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Verse 5, And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So again, he's the national hero. Saul's asleep on the job, but... You know, and but here, but here's David fighting for the nation. It says in verse, uh, verse six, and now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, this is the priest, 
fled to David at Keilah that he went down with an ephod in his hand. So this is where it fills in the gap for us. It tells us Abiathar has this priestly vestment, so we had the Urim and the Thummim to be able to answer the yes or no questions from God, opposed to God. Verse 7, and Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So now Saul gets intel that David's in Keilah. And so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand. For he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. And then David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. So again, this is, this is the third inquiry that David is making of God. It's again a yes or no question. Is he going to come down? And will the men of Keilah turn me over to him? And again, they're using the Urim and the Thummim. But you can make a notation in the margin of your Bible. This is the last time that the Urim and Thummim is used in the Old Testament. And the rest of the Bible, for that matter. At this point, at the end, Abiathar is the last one to use the Urim and the Thummim. And now, the way that they get revelation from God is not from these stones pulled out of the vestment of the priest, but it is through the revelation through the prophets. And so, no longer will they rely on this. But... He's inquiring of the Lord. Now look what the Lord says. Verse 9, when David knew that Saul, so he asked and prayed, uh, tell your servant. And the Lord said, verse 11, he will come down. And then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. And so David and his men, about 600, so now it's grown from 400 to 600, they arose and and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. And then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Now, something important to note with me here. Three times David seeks the Lord here. Because he's trying to discern the Lord's will. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? So we've been talking about principles from each of these chapters. So here's a principle from chapter 23. When in doubt, seek God out, right? I mean, it's obvious because usually when we are in a difficult situation, that's what drives us to pray. So nobody usually has to tell you when you're in a difficult spot, you should probably pray because that's the first thing that we tend to do after we get through Googling and worrying about it. Then, then we'll usually, you know, be driven to prayer because we're in a difficult spot. But this is what David does here. Notice he is given different counsel by his Men, his army that he's pulled together, they tell him we shouldn't go to Keilah because the Philistines outnumber us. And what does David do? He hears what they say, but he inquires of the Lord and the Lord says otherwise. So it's always good, you know, it's fine, get counsel. The Bible says there's safety of the multitude of counselors, but the ultimate counselor we need to hear from is the Lord. And and that's why we need to know the Bible. That's why we need to have an ear that is inclined to the Lord. Because Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. 
And so David understood here that, you know, people are going to tell him one thing, but what does God say about the matter? And what's unfortunate in this scene here is that God tells him, yes, Saul's coming, and also, by the way, the men of Keilah are going to give you up. Isn't Isn't that sad? He's just rescued this town, Keilah, against the Philistines. And God says, but if Saul shows up here, these men will turn you over. You talk about betrayal. Betrayal. These guys who have just been rescued by David are willing to give him up to King Saul. And so David and his men move on. And when Saul hears about that, he says, oh, well, I'm not going to keep hunting him all over the countryside. So he, uh, he halted the expedition. Keep reading with me. Verse 14. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziphs. We're talking the western side of the, of the Dead Sea. By the way, everything on the eastern side of the Dead Sea on the map today would be the country of Jordan. Like Moab is, is in Jordan. And so this is where David is now in the wilderness of Ziph. And it says, Saul sought him every day. But God did not deliver him into his hand. And so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Underline that. Strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, this is Jonathan speaking to David. Now remember, they had a very unique um, Sincere friendship. Jonathan was anywhere from 20 to 30 years older than David. So there was even a generational difference here, but they were the best of friends. There was nothing weird going on here. I've already covered that in previous chapters, but they have the kind of loyal friendship that is very rare and was very unique. And Jonathan says to David, do not fear. This is verse 17. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father." Saul knows that. And so the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. Now note that it says that they made a covenant. Actually, back in chapter 18, verse 3, they made a covenant. In chapter 20, verse 16, they renewed the covenant. And so this is actually a renewal of the renewal. In other words, they just had a bond and a loyalty. And they uh, had this bond before God that they were going to, you know, uh, serve the Lord and, um, and honor him. And this is remarkable because Jonathan is basically more loyal to David than he is to his own father because he sees the hand of God on David's life and he sees that his father has just gone mad. I mean, literally, his dad is is uh, paranoid, his dad is um, insecure, his dad is demonized, and he realizes the hand of God is not with my dad. And Jonathan selfishly could have wanted the throne because he was technically next in line, but he acknowledged that God's calling was upon David and that God had selected David. And so Jonathan was loyal to him. And I love the way it says here that he, you know, he finds David here hiding out in, in, in the wilderness of, of Ziph. And it says there, I ask you to underline it if you wanted to. And he strengthened David's hand in God. And he gives them this little short pep talk about do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. And to me, it speaks of another principle from chapter 23. Look for someone to strengthen with the gift of encouragement, because that's what Jonathan did. 
Jonathan brought a word of encouragement to his best friend, and he and he just encouraged him. And I think it is important for us to look for people that we can help to strengthen, just with a word of encouragement. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of 1 Samuel. This book is packed full of practical applications for our lives today. We follow three main characters, Saul, David, and of course Samuel, through a series of crossroads and decisions they faced during the early days in Bible times. It is here that we find the victory of David over Goliath and the development of a new prophet in young Samuel. We also find the fall of the king in Saul as a reminder of the consequences of disobedience to God. As Samuel told Saul in chapter 15, verse 22, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can hear the truth from one another? Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m. to learn from the Word and spend time in fellowship as sons and daughters of the King. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We also encourage and believe in the power of praying together and for one another. Email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to this teaching from 1 Samuel today on Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know, but still you know you're not a General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.